When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Women to Watch is an intimate look into the lives of prominent and influential women leaders from around the world and the challenges they faced on their journey. It's the real story behind her title. Join us every week to hear more stories about women from around the world and in your own communities at womentowatch.net. everyone and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, joining me in just a moment, my guest this week will be Sylvie Laurenti. And Sylvie is the Chair Professor and Dean of Research and Innovation for the College of Engineering at my alma mater, Villanova University. So I'm thrilled to have her with me. Um, just a note to be sure to subscribe to the show on our YouTube page at Women to Watch Media. That's um, W to W Media on YouTube. And for all things show related, you can find more information at our website at womentowatch.net. So now I'm very excited and honored to welcome to the show Sylvie Laurenti. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, good afternoon. Happy to be here with you. Thank you. I, I appreciate so much your joining me. I know I can't imagine how busy your, your typical day is. And we'll learn a little bit more about that in the show. Um, but uh, I'd love to start at the very beginning of your life story and share with the viewers that you were actually born um, and, and grew up in the south of France. Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and I think it's funny, you shared with me in our introductory call that as a young girl, you you really wanted to get out of there. <laughs> there wasn't <laughs> enough going on. Um, most people run to the south of France for vacation because it's it's such a beautiful place. Uh, but just describe for, for us the, the community there that you grew up in. What was that like? Okay, so uh, exactly, just like you said, I grew up in south of France and more precisely on the uh, Mediterranean side, close to the border with Spain. And you will probably know that Salvador Dali said about my city, Perpignan, that it was the center of the world. So maybe it was for him, but definitely not for me. And just like you said, um, I couldn't wait to have the opportunity to uh, discover the world and uh, and move out in in in, tr in truth so uh, that makes me a catalan person 
um, but not from the uh, Spanish side and Barcelona, etc., but from the uh, French side. Okay. And you, I, I know that your mom was a school teacher mm-hmm. and your dad actually left school to, to work on in the fields and on yes. the farm. And mm-hmm. tell me, what kind of pressure did you feel as the first to go to college to be successful in academics and in school? So, yes, like, like you said, my dad has to leave school when, when he was 12 because his generation in rural France would not continue to study beyond 12 years old, even though he was um, uh, very gifted in math. So um, when I grew up in this um, um, rural place, uh, being the, uh, the daughter of a primary school teacher, um, education was extremely important. And we, I would say that the family would bet everything on education as a way to um, move up in the society. I was lucky to, uh, to be uh, very good at school, so it was just obvious that I would continue to study. Uh, I, would, I think my, my parents had no idea of what I would do, but the, uh, the higher I could go, uh, the more supportive they, uh, they were. That's all they were wishing for me. Yeah. So you were very good at math and science um, Mm -hmm. as well as your dad. And I wonder what, so in school as a young girl, as a student, what, were there any um, subjects that were challenging for you? So uh, I have always loved learning uh, and I still continue, um, but I was really uh, good at math and and physics. Uh, I was not good at uh, basketball or volleyball that it was just not my thing but one thing I remember I had when when I was nine ten years old I had this extraordinary teacher in in primary school who's really the one who just would open the world for all of us in in the classroom and at some point he decided that each of us would entirely make a, um, um, a bedside lamp. So from the, um, the bases made of clay to the uh, electrical wiring and, and everything. And so this was really doing things with, with your hands. And I completely messed the electrical part. It, it was just a complete mess it, it <laughs> for everybody, but not for me. And I was so upset because I was the one supposed to be the top student. And here I am, not capable of assembling those two electrical wires together. So uh, I was so upset that uh, during the morning class recess, when everybody was playing outside, I sneaked into the classroom and I redid everything to make sure oh that, that it worked. And that was <laughs> such a defining episode that 20 years later, when we bought our first house, which was an old house, which needed a lot of um, repairs and refurbishing. And we did, we were just young, a young couple with no money for that. So we had to do everything ourselves. 
So guess who was in charge of all the electrical repairs in the house? That was me. <laughs> that was my revenge of, of my past. Oh my gosh. Is that the teacher that you, you shared with me that you had a teacher that really opened your mind and your heart up to science mm-hmm. and encouraged you? Was that Yes, 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 yes. He's the one. He's the one. And and when he retired, um, because he was also an artist and he started painting and in my office at Villanova, I have uh, his painting of our one of of our old family house in my tiny village. So, yes, he's the one who really he would inspire generations and generations of of students. not only about uh, science, but uh, about about books, and 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 about the uh, importance of going outside and discover new people and new culture, and mm-hmm. um, and interact with uh, anybody uh, as much as we can. So yes, he's been really uh, uh, instrumental to me. That's so nice. Um, <clears throat> I wonder, you know, there's a very stereotypical. Um, thought about girls entering the field of STEM. And I wonder what it was like in your community. So it, you were not the girl that did what they say typically girls do going, you know, with language and communication and the arts. Um, and you were, you know, very, very good at it and wanted to, to study science. Was that encouraged among all young women? where you grew up or was that unusual for you? Were you one of the few? Uh, I think that I was unusual, uh, not because of my gender, but just like any kid who is um, good at school, you tend to be sometimes a little bit marginalized Mm -hmm. because you're good. And so you're not the cool guy in the classroom, okay? So um, there was no gender issue at that time. This is something that I discovered when I entered college. So uh, I left my uh, tiny village to go to the big city, which was 200 kilometers away. That, <laughs> and, uh, and I entered engineering. And we were, um, um, we were seven female students. So uh, that's when you realize that uh, you become clearly, by definition, a minority, okay? Seven out of how many, Sylvia? So at that time, um, I was in civil engineering. Uh, We were around 70. 70. So seven out of 70. Wow. So so clearly, we we were different. And, um, but that was okay, because it was truly about studying and learning and at that time most of the professors uh, just didn't care about whether you were a female or a male yet i have lots of anecdotes of uh, of this time so uh, the thing is that in france in the beginning engineering was for male not because it was decided but maybe because female didn't feel that they would have uh, they would uh, belong but to the point that in my college, they had four dorms on campus, and one of them was only for female. But the number of female students started to uh, grow up to the point that they could not accommodate all the female students in, the, uh, in this female dorm. So, uh, and, and accommodation was done in 
alphabetic order. And my maiden name starts with an R. So because of that, I didn't have a, um, I didn't have a room in the dorm from female. And I ended up in the middle of uh, the dorm with males. Or you imagine, I don't know, maybe um, 200, 300 rooms in this big building. And we were, I think, less than 10 females. And uh, and uh, and and it was just it was just rooms and showers were shared and toilets were shared. So you have to grow up because you live in this environment. Should the same situation happen today to my daughters at the time when they entered college, I would have called immediately the president of the place. <laughs> hey, what is going on? This is not acceptable. But wow. these were the early 90s, and it was just normal. And you were so proud and happy to have been admitted in this top school that wow. having to, to live on campus in such a way, it was okay. You could live with it. Yeah. Did you, did you ha experience any bias from the students, from your, your peers, um, or a sense of competition? you know, between the two? Not when student. Uh, and um, it's unfortunate that, that I have to say that this happens when I entered the professional world, when I joined academia. Yeah. I've been, for my entire career, I have been the mostly the only woman around the table. And that's when it started to become difficult. Wow. And here you are. I want to make a note so the viewers know you're you're incredibly successful in your field and cited amongst only 2% in the world for the work that you do. And it's highly intellectual. You know, it's funny. I was preparing for this interview and doing my research and reading, and it was so above my head. I found it difficult to, to come up with an intelligent question about your work. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I would just allow you to, you know, in layman's terms, say what it is that your research centers around and how does it, how can we equate it to our own lives? Where would we see it in our day to day? Okay. Okay. I, first of all, I would say, uh, I'm not very good at um, talking about my research work, I feel that after five minutes I'm putting people to sleep. <laughs> but but I can try. I can try. So uh, right. in fact, yeah. <laughs> so we we were interested in in discovering how um, flow systems can be improved. So that means everything and nothing. So I'm I'm going to give you some some examples. I'm an engineer. And to me, engineering is the science of usefulness. So I like to, to, to do fundamental work. I like to work with theories, but I always keep in mind concrete applications of my work. So this idea that um, things are flowing from one point to another one, and that if we make this flow path more easier, um, the entire system will perform better is the, um, um, the, the line of my research. Now, what do we do with this? For, for example, we are trying to uh, help the cooling of the batteries 
in the electrical vehicles. So electrical vehicles are um, the hot topic uh, mm -hmm. right now. The batteries, when they charge and discharge, they heat. And if we do not control this heat, uh, then uh, uh, they can set up on fire. So you need to come up with some cooling solutions. And the idea that the heat is a flow system helps us understand and design how to extract this heat in an efficient way. So that's a, one example. Yeah. Another example with those ideas, this idea of uh, configurations of flow, um, a very um, concrete example is the uh, circulation of the blood in our body. And we are developing models trying to predict how the blood is flowing through the liver so that if we are capable of understanding exactly what is happening, how the pressure is changing and how the pressure can change depending on the disease of the liver, then maybe we will be capable of helping the surgeons in the operation room to help them improve the efficiency of the um, entire surgery. Wow. So one main idea but with really various applications in yes. many, many fields. Yeah, I think that's excellent. I mean, that gives me a much better sense um, of what you do. When did you determine the niche you were going to go into with your degree? How did you end up studying this particular part of science? Well, especially since I have a PhD in, in civil engineering, so uh, I know quite a bit a lot about concrete, <laughs> which has <laughs> nothing to do with what I'm doing right now, right? Exactly. But yes. my, my, my PhD thesis was in uh, energy and building, and, uh, and I was lucky to be funded by, uh, by a company. So uh, there, there was this, um, uh, this industrial partner who believed that research and development and partnership with academia can really benefit the uh, the company and they were they would sponsor phd thesis so i started to uh, to work with them in, in trying to understand how we could improve construction materials make them more efficient from a heat transfer point of view okay. more insulating if you will and that was the beginning in in the uh, in this work on the uh, the flow of heat uh, going through the um, uh, through those uh, building um, materials and um, and then I was at at the start of my career and I was very lucky to to meet with this uh, colleague at uh, Duke University with whom uh, I've been collaborating for about twenty years and uh, and he was the one who. Uh, discovered uh, this idea of a flow systems uh, changing their shape in, in, in time. Uh, and, um, and, and, and I felt that it, it was really a very unique way of considering not only engineering problems, but also uh, nature-based problems. So um, yeah, that's yeah. how I, so, it started. It's so interesting. And obviously, you know, it was of interest to you and you've stayed with it. Um, tell me, when did you come to the United States? So, uh, um, um, th that was exactly four years ago. Um, uh, 
it was my personal midlife crisis, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we have two daughters and they had left home. Uh, they are today 25 and 28. So um, the, the nest was empty mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I felt that I needed a change. Uh, and, and it was, um, uh, and Villanova made, um, um, created a very uh, nice opportunity for me. And I felt that it was the, the, the time to jump. And because I really wanted a change in my life. So uh, a few months later, it was COVID. So uh, yes, that was quite a bit of a change, oh <laughs> not only in my life, but in the life of the entire rest of the world. Right. So so um, that that's how we uh, we came to the U.S. And I was uh, I am still uh, extremely lucky because my husband um, uh, agreed to uh, to the challenge. So uh, now we are both in uh, in Philadelphia. Okay. And your daughters did they stay in France? Or- oh yes, they absolutely had no interest in in coming. The oldest one was already working in Paris, and the youngest was um, uh, a student in Madrid in Spain. So the family was. Anyway, it was split. So, yeah. um, you've this is so interesting to me. You've had the opportunity to teach in many places um, Hong Kong, South Africa, France, obviously, and in the US. And I wonder if you can describe any differences that you've noticed in the students from all of these various different places. Has anything surprised you about their? way of learning or the way that they interact with you yes you uh, uh, you have a point the uh, the main difference is on how they would interact with the professor and the educator uh, and that is completely related to the culture um, it's uh, I would say in uh, Asian cultures um, it's more complicated for the students to interact with the professor. Uh, they do not question or they question in a um, way less fashion uh, what the, um, the professor is, is saying, mm. which is, and the uh, opposite uh, would be in the United States where, where the um, um, education of the student is such that they are, they learn how to question, which I think is very important because it's not because you are the oldest in the room that what you're saying is true, obviously. So uh, being questioned and challenged by the student makes the, uh, the class way more, way more interesting uh, for everybody. And so uh, and in between those two extremes, uh, you will find France, where it completely depends on on the students and there is no big tendency, uh, I would say. But I would like to say that I've been extremely lucky because wherever I had the uh, the chance to uh, to teach, it it has been really a wonderful experience. And being in contact with those young brains uh, really helps you your own thinking. And the, you ask every time you will ask yourself, how can I teach better to make sure that uh, my message uh, is received by the way I hope it's going to be received? 
And I would imagine that when they ask a good question, it opens you up to perhaps something that you hadn't thought about before. Yes, yes. And that's, uh, um, I'm teaching um, um, graduate classes. So uh, there, there is this uh, interest in research coming from the students. So uh, the way we, uh, we teach and the way we interact is also for me an opportunity to tell them, hey, how do you view this problem? How can this question can help you develop your own research project? Tell me, Sylvie, you mentioned a few times that um, you didn't really face any bias um, until you came to the United States and um, you were working with, uh, you know, people in your profession. What, tell me how you dealt with those moments where you could sense that there was a bias just because you were female. How did you deal with that? Um, the um, the bias uh, is something that I was um, that I felt when I joined academia, and and that was way before coming to the U.S. I mean, I think that. Oh, France- okay. France has a, its good share, way more, <laughs> much more than, than in the U.S., I would say. So, in fact, um, you want this, when you, you are the only uh, woman in the room, you, uh, and it's, it's really a male's club. It's, you get it immediately. So you understand that if you want to, uh, well, to build your career, uh, you will have to work much more than the, than your male colleagues. That's very obvious. And when I was in my 30s, I, I took this as a baseline. So I said, okay, I, 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 have, I want to build my career. I love research. I love my students. I really, that's really my thing. I understand I have to work much more then my colleagues, I will do it. And it is until recently that I thought that it was normal. And so during all those years, there is no affirmative action in France. So uh, the only way, and I wanted to be chosen and promoted because of my work and definitely not because of my gender. I, I really would have felt insulted to be promoted because I'm a woman. But it's by this, I have two daughters and it is by discussing with them that they opened my eyes. Quite recently, I I have to admit, uh, because they said, but mom, it's not normal that you have to work twice as much as your colleague to be considered successful. You You should be successful based on exactly the same criteria as your colleagues, not because you spent, because obviously they saw me working night and day, uh, weekdays, Saturday, holidays, all the time. And that's, in fact, that's not normal. We shouldn't have to do this to prove that we have the same value of, uh, of our colleagues. But that's the system where I, where I come from. Yeah. Um, we're going to go into our first break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that and see if you're hopeful that 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 it will ever change to the point where there won't be um, 
you know, that, that bias. Um, stay with us for a beautiful spot from one of our sponsors, Children's Hospital Philadelphia, and we'll be back with Sylvie Laurenti. We are CHOP, and we can't wait to show you around. We're the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds, 160. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 65 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center, 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, first of its kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics. We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention. Our patients come from every state and 115 countries. challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP.
Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm joined this week by Sylvie Laurenti, and she is the chair professor and dean of research and innovation um, in the College of Engineering at Villanova University. And um, just before the break, you had mentioned your daughters. And uh, first, I wanted to know, have either of them followed in your footsteps? Uh, no. <laughs> Zero, zero interest in becoming a professor. No, 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 no. So well, they saw how hard you had to work. You were working way too hard. Oh, they worked hard. They worked hard also in their own domain, but no, zero interest in becoming professors. Yeah. You know, when you look at your daughters and, and the world the way it is today, and you have conversations with them, I'm sure, um, regarding their work, and are you hopeful that we're moving further and further away from this kind of gender bias? Do you think there's a time when it won't exist? Oh, yes, we're moving away, definitely. It's, it's, um, it's not happening easily, I would say, that you, uh, I think that we have to be, uh, to be careful and, um, and make sure that we uh, remain uh, focused on this, but things are changing. I, 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 I can see this. And, uh, Simply because of numbers in engineering, we have more and more female students and they feel legitimate and they find a job easily. And therefore, uh, the uh, uh, new female engineering students will can find internship and uh, and see that women are there already. So, you know, it's really a virtuous uh, circle. Uh, yeah. there, there are old habits that uh, need to be, to be changed and there are kind of difficult to, to change, but I'm, I'm really optimistic. Yes. And I, I think we'll see it when our children have their own children mm. and they talk to them about, you know, you're not going to believe back in the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> problem. Yeah. Um, exactly. Tell me what is the most exciting thing about the work you do? What really brings you joy? I know you shared with me that really research really is your calling. And um, I, I'd love for you to just talk about the most exciting part of that. And then also, how can other women find their own calling? So, yes, like, like you said, I really love research. And, and to me, research is, uh, is a call. So it's, it's, and it's not a nine to five job. It's something that you have those ideas, you have your creativity, and it with you all the time but the uh, to me research is also teamwork and education so uh, um, among the things that i love is the opportunity to to uh, discuss with people from different backgrounds and to work with them um, um, so this interdisciplinarity is uh, really a plus for me plus i love to travel so i'm traveling all over the world and 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 collaborating with colleagues, which is great. And the relationship that you can build with your students in, in your group, 
is absolutely unique because you are empowering them. You see them growing uh, and you see them really um, building their own research and um, and they are so good and so dedicated. It's it's really wonderful that it's a very special relationship that the uh, the PhD advisor establishes with their uh, graduate students. It's uh, rather you're, you're 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 not a boss, but you're the boss. You're not a parent, but at the same time you take care of them because most of them have left their country to uh, to come to um, to you and work with you. So there is also this. Uh, uh, you feel responsible for them also, even though we are talking about uh, adults, people. But um, they, uh, when I think of uh, my, my research group is coming from all over the world. And when I think of all the sacrifices that they made to, to come here to this country, leaving their, their family and jumping on a plane and uh, without knowing what is what to expect, on the other side of yes, the ocean. It's, it's, it's really, it's, yes, it's, it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. yeah. So when, you know, we talk on the show a lot about um, trying to uncover why we're here and, you know, what is our purpose? What is our calling? It's one of the ultimate questions. And um, I, I'm not sure this is true, but I think that those who like yourself are, very obviously good in one area, so math and science, and allowed you the opportunity to explore uh, different things you could do within that realm. And for young girls and women that perhaps are not, it's sometimes harder to figure out what it is they're meant to be doing. So if I were to ask you, you know, your advice on what kinds of questions can they ask of themselves? How can they explore to determine where it is they're they're meant to be contributing in the world. Well, you know, maybe it's not a problem not to know what you want to do, but let's start by eliminating what we do not want to do. And that's a very good start. And let's see what remains, because that's exactly what, what happened in, in my case. I I was good at math. I was good at science when, when I was a child. Okay, so where does this lead me? I had no idea. And, uh, and my family, although being very supportive, had also no idea. So you're just left with this uh, potential skill. Uh, everybody's telling you that this is wonderful, but you have no idea what you are going to do with this. But I didn't have any engineers around me. So they would tell me you can, you could be an engineer. I said, yes, why not? But what is an engineer? So I just didn't know what I, what I wanted to do, but I knew a few things that I did not want for me. And, uh, and, and that helps. So, so yes. uh, if I can give an, an, an advice to uh, anyone, uh, it's just start by eliminating what you don't like, what you're sure that you just want to be uh, in the future, and 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 then you will um, try to find step by step what your your way is. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It's great advice. It's easier than looking at all the possible opportunities. Mm. We we pretty much know what what we don't want to do or or what we know we're not good at. So that's a good place to start. 
Yes, and 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 uh, uh, not all of us are capable of saving the world. You know, this, I'm I'm collaborating with uh, um, people at Penn Medicine, uh, and uh, and in fact, this morning I I, I I spent a little bit of time with one of their transplant surgeon. He is saving lives. He's the one in the operation room replacing a sick liver by a healthy one. We, we, we were here with my postdoc just to look at how they are measuring uh, some parameters uh, in the arteries after surgery. But that's, um, that's fun for us. He's the guy saving lives. <laughs> so, so, but, it, but it's okay. I think that uh, each of us has some uh, gift to offer at, at whatever level. And uh, yes. that's Although enough. I would say, happy. Sylvie, he would not be able to do that work if he didn't have the knowledge and, you know, the expertise of scientists like yourself that are always finding new and better ways to do it. So it's so collaborative, right? There's a You're lot. Right. You're right. It's very yes. collaborative. Mm, this is true. Um, yeah. I, so when I, first of all, you've written um, seven books, 10 book chapters, 200 peer-reviewed international journal papers. Um, that's an extension of, of what you do at, with, in your role at Villanova. And I wonder just when do you sleep? <laughs> and do you find yourself awake at night thinking of, of new thoughts and ideas and innovations? And, you know, how, really, how do you manage your day? with all of that on your, all of those responsibilities? I have a little notebook by my bedside. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but, and, and yes, it's true. Sometimes I wake up at night and uh, oh, I write down this, uh, this idea because I'm pretty sure that I will have forgotten it the, um, the day after when I wake up. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to what to be efficient in the, in the way I work. And, 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 um, I shouldn't say that because I will never have a pay raise if I say it, but I feel like I'm getting paid to have fun mm -hmm. and, and to play. I, I'm lucky to be among the people for whom going to work is uh, with going to work with a big smile. And uh, I don't have a job. I have a profession and that makes me, that makes me happy. And, um, I have lots of other interests outside of my work, but I guess that being a scientist, you always connect what you see in your everyday life to your creativity, and that translates sometimes into a research project. You know. do, you, do you think that, that, that um, that's a gift, right, to, to be able to go to work and it's, it's joyful, it doesn't feel like a job? Do you think that that helps with your just overall well-being? You know, people who are in jobs that are that are not bringing them joy are very stressed and stress can lead to illness and sickness. And, you know, do you think that they're tied together? I'm definitely convinced about that. But I also know that there, my, my job sometimes can be very stressful uh, with lots of things to, uh, to manage. But uh, I well, I try to have um, a good routine. I exercise a lot. I'm lucky to live right uh, in front of a gym. So I, oh. I just have to cross the street. I have no excuse not to go to a, 
<laughs> to take some uh, some classes and uh, yes exercising is super super, super important and uh, good food and good wine also <laughs> <laughs> i like that uh, french food by the way is very delicious and golden <laughs> and yummy. Um, I, I wanted to share a quote. You said uh, to me in our call, science is absolutely not the answer to everything. Humanities plays a large role. Um, how, how do they go hand in hand? How would you describe that? Hand in hand uh, in an easy way. I'm, I'm, I'm not that sure, but I think that... Um, for those who are uh, well, I, look the uh, what is happening today is uh, the perfect illustration of this need. Uh, artificial intelligence left alone uh, can be an absolutely uh, uh, horrible thing for the entire humanity. You need to add psychology. You need to add philosophy. You need to add to work with uh, people in social sciences to make sure that. Uh, under the excuse of innovation, you're not creating more pain than uh, solving problems. I think that the uh, the uh, the current um, today situation is is um, a very good illustration of this. Um, the um, I've been in in research panels um, assessing research proposals in which that dimension of ethics uh, was completely absent and just. Because you can do it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Like monitoring everything people would uh, uh, would say on uh, social media uh, with um, a very nice objective, which would be to pre prevent suicide. But it doesn't allow you to uh, uh, um, well to to spy on everything that people are saying. On, or, or, or writing, so you you need to to put some um, guidelines here, and uh, and 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 this is why humanities are extremely important. Plus, you can I, I think that the um, you cannot teach engineering and science without adding this component mm -hmm. in order to develop critical thinking. This is extremely important. And it's, I guess it, you know, it's a little unnerving what's coming as far as um, artificial intelligence and its capability. Um, at the same time, it's incredibly exciting because it can solve a lot of problems. Um, how do you reconcile with where, where we're going from an innovation standpoint with AI and our need to to stay very tied to what is ethical and what is moral and what is right? I'm afraid I, I, I do not have um, an answer to, to, to this question. Uh, first of all, that's not, it's not my field. So I'm, I'm just uh, reading as much as I can and trying to make my own uh, opinion. But I'm, I'm definitely convinced that there needs to be decisions made um, um, at individual level, but also at societal level, and and that's why it's it's I believe a good idea that politicians and governments start discussing at that level. It's also important and to have some guidelines. And uh, um, there are 
A lot of them are already in place in Europe, and this is very recent. And I, I think that the um, uh, equivalent will happen also in, uh, in the U.S. I'm convinced this is going to happen. Um, I wanted to ask you, what, what are you doing when you become inspired? Where do you go for inspiration, particularly when you're thinking about perhaps your next book or just your leadership style in the classroom for engaging with students? Where, where are you and what are you doing when you get that inspiration? Um, in fact, I'm, I'm coming up with ideas quite often in airplanes. Probably because you're, 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 you're stuck in this place and you have nothing else to do than either watch a movie or work a little bit of, or, or think. But I came up with a, quite a bit of a good ideas and creative ones uh, flying. When you're flying, <laughs> so, you're looking out over, you know, over the world. Uh, yeah, well, figuratively speaking, yes, exactly. But uh, that's, uh, that's when, it, when it's happening, I would say, yes. Do you go back home frequently? How often do you go back to? Um, I, I travel back and forth uh, quite often, especially because one year ago I was uh, selected to join the uh, European Research Council. Uh, and we, we are a group of um, um, 22 scientists working on the uh, development and improvement of, uh, of science in Europe and, uh, and um, uh, with a, a lot of funding and how deciding how uh, this um, this funding uh, should be distributed uh, throughout um, uh, researchers all over all over Europe. So uh, that makes me uh, travel um, on a very regular basis, and uh, so that gives me the opportunity to uh, to um, uh, with a quick uh, flight to uh, to go to see my daughters or or my parents uh, who are still in the tiny village where uh, my family has been living for. Oh, more than 100 years now. So, uh. <laughs> um, traveling is very stressful these days, and you know you're doing that on a regular basis. Tell me what you're um, when you're feeling stressed, um, when things go awry. Do you have a mantra or something that you live by that you say to yourself that just kind of grounds you and? No, I, no, no, no. At, at, at some point, and I don't know why, because I cannot remember any specific incident, but at some point while I was traveling so much, I felt, I started to be scared every time we would, we would, um, the, the plane would um, have met some turbulences mm -hmm. and, um, and, and that's difficult to, uh, to handle. The only thing I, I, I could find to calm down was this way of breathing that you learned at the time when you would give birth. You know, that's the deep, <laughs> that, uh, deep breathing. So <laughs> that was, uh, that was the, uh, uh, the most efficient way for me to calm down uh, when, uh, when I went through those episodes. <laughs> it's actually very, it's funny. I've had, you know, numerous guests on the show that are uh, wellness experts and the simple act of breathing, they talk about 
over and over because I think some, the way we live in society, so working so hard, moving fast, doing so much, we're not really breathing the way we should. And if you, you know, take that time to do it, um, I'll say with the flow, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the breathing in, breathing out, <laughs> flowing through your lungs. Exactly. Yes. yes. It's amazing how calming that can be. Um, we're out of time. Sylvie, I thank you so much for being on the show. I loved hearing your story and, and the great work that you're doing. It's really fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to chat with you. It's been really a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Um, stay with us for a spot from one of our sponsors, Penn Community Bank, and I will be back. From Philadelphia to the Lehigh Valley and everywhere in between. For 150 years, Penn Community Bank has been a part of your neighborhood. Helping businesses start. Supporting families as they grow and staying connected to the people and places that make this region special. It's who we are and where we're from. Penn Community Bank. Here we are, and here we grow. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for being with me. Stay tuned for my interview next week with Erin McNamara, and she's the Dean of Education at Drexel University. Thank you to Helm Creative for producing the show and to all of our watch team members and corporate partners. Have a great week, everyone. We are CHOP, and we can't wait to show you around. We're the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds 165 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, first-of-its-kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn, like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics. We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention. Our patients come from every state and 115 countries. 
these challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.